Welcome to Ben Davis Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Davis, and I'm excited to have a conversation with you about one of my th- favorite things in the world, movies. Joining me this week is SifPop.com contributor and host of Robert Stott's podcast, Robert Buford. How are you doing today, man? Hey, I'm doing really, really great. Thanks for having me back on. Awesome, man. Of course. Uh, so for those of you who aren't aware, and Robert just mentioned it, Robert has been on Ben Davis Movie Podcast before, and we got to chat about what I think is the greatest action uh, movie of all time, Terminator 2. Joe Morton also happens to be in our movie this week, Speed. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, like always with new guests, we asked you know what your favorite movie was and why, and you broke down why Lord of the Rings trilogy is so wonderful. Um, this time, I'm going to put you on the spot again, <laughs> but I'm going to ask you something different, and that is... Tell us a little bit about your podcast, Robert's Thoughts, and what you do over there. Yeah, so I have a podcast that started right around the same time that you started this one called Robert's Thoughts Movie Cast. Um, it kind of came as a result of uh, I have my own blog just called Robert's Thoughts Blog, and I wanted to have just more long-form conversational stuff about movies. Um, so every other week, every other Wednesday, I do an episode based on some sort of anniversary or birthday um, of like an actor or a release date or a director. And I'll break down a filmography or I'll break down a specific movie or a movie franchise. Um, and I, most of the time I have guests, you've been on there a couple of times and you will be on more in the future. I've had Aaron from, from Sif pop, um, Aaron Schweitzer, not big Aaron Dicer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we just have a good time having fun. Uh, talking about movies that we love yeah man i I really love what you do over there it's it's awesome like you said i've been over been over there on a a couple of episodes and honestly it's been a lot of fun what what were the things we did we did star the star wars episode yeah we did star wars and we did a chris pratt episode just you and i on that one yeah yeah both those were a lot of fun to to talk about and chit chat it was a lot of fun a lot of fun love what you do over there thank you um, so b- before we, uh, get on to our new movie we are covering this week, uh, have you watched anything interesting, um, recently that you'd like to share good or bad? <laughs> yeah. For some reason during, uh, quarantine, a lot of people, most people I've seen are more interested in watching uplifting stuff, which I totally get, uh, because this, this could be a depressing and scary time right now. But for some reason, I've been gravitating towards heavier, thought-provoking stuff. Um, so recently, I watched the movie United 93, which is about... It was nominated for a couple Oscars in 2006. Um, it's about the one plane that didn't hit its target on 9-11. Um, I also watched Schindler's List for the first time, which completely lived oh, up to its reputation. What um, a good movie. Yeah, I that movie brings it all together at the at the very end the whole time it's tense but i love the ending mm-hmm. um and then i also watched a couple more lighter things i watched the flashpoint paradox movie on hbo max i've always been interested in that and i i really enjoyed that one nice and then nice. the american pickle the seth rogan movie i thought that one was a lot of fun too so those are just some things i've been into lately yeah i enjoyed american pickle quite a lot i'm the Flashpoint animated film is really good too. I really enjoyed that. But Schindler's List, man, that that is an all time great for me. It's yep. one of those movies though. I I watched it, but I don't feel like I can watch it 
ever again because it's just right. so hard and heavy. It's much like not saying they're the same movie because they're not. They're about two completely different things, but 12 Years a Slave mm-hmm. and that have me feeling the same way. The ending is 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 great, but it's just getting there is brutal. You know what I mean? Right. Just, just because it's like it's a brutal feeling doesn't mean it's a bad movie. Sometimes exactly. not wanting to watch something again is a good thing because the movie did its job so well. And I think exactly. it uh, that describes both those movies, 12 Years a Slave and Schindler's List. Yeah. Very, very beautiful, great films that won Best Picture um, yeah. at, their, at their Oscars. Um, so a couple things I've watched besides watching the Batman Wonder Woman 84 and Zack Snyder's Justice League trailer a combined 1000 times yesterday. <laughs> uh, also had the privilege of watching Unhinged and writing the review over at SifPop.com for it. If you want to know my full thoughts, I suggest going over there to read that. But honestly, I thought the movie was a pretty good time. Um, and I had fun with it. It has some logic issues that plagues that genre as a whole, but Russell Crowe freaking kills it and chews it up in every scene that he's in. Um, it's really a mixture between the movie Joyride with Steve Zahn and Paul Walker and Falling Down, the Michael Douglas movie that's directed by Joel Schumacher, with a splash of Death, uh, Death Proof, um, which is the Quentin Tarantino half of Grindhouse. So if you're into any of those, this might be an entertaining film for you. Um, honestly, it's it's the perfect film for a drive-in if you live close to one. It's not one I would risk going to a movie theater for. Yeah. But it's still a... I thought it was a good turn-it-on, shut-off-your-mind kind of movie. It, it had some pretty good thrills in it. And again, Russell Crowe, he, he turns it up to 11. He's like uh, channeling his inner uh was it candy from cape fear um forget the full name but i know it's something candy i've never seen Um, cape fear all the way through i was watching it on netflix just a couple weeks ago and i was falling asleep and i paused it and was going to pick it up the next day and then the next time i went to pick it up it was off netflix oh no (laughs) that's tragic yeah oh my god that's awful I'm gonna have to pick it up some other time. Yeah, man, it's it's a it's a good movie. That that's that is a a good movie. You know, Martin Scorsese does other types of movies that aren't just gangster films. People yeah, yep. always love to say that he only does gangster films. That's not true. He has a a wide variety of films that he's directed, and this one kind of falls more into the psychological horror, kind of like Shutter Island does. Mm-hmm. So, ooh, with a yeah, Shutter Island comparison, I like that. Yeah, if you if you uh, get a chance to pick that up again, I I would highly recommend it. Yeah, Especially I was liking it. It was just late at night, and I I couldn't keep my eyes open, but I wanted to. Man, that's a that's a creepy movie to watch late at night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, we are uh, continuing to celebrate the career of Keanu Reeves this month, and this week we are going to be talking about the 1994 classic Speed. If you aren't familiar with Speed, the plot synopsis reads like such according to Google. Los Angeles police officer Jack angers retired bomb squad member Howard Payne by foiling his attempt of taking hostages. In revenge, Payne arms a bus with a bomb that will explode if it drops below 50 miles per hour. 
with the help of spunky, uh, spunky passenger Annie, Jack and his uh, partner Harry try to save the people on the bus before the bomb goes off while also trying to figure out how Payne is monitoring them. Look, you aren't going to get a very deep or philosophical discussion about speed. Th this movie isn't really like that. It it's really a movie built around one premise like a lot of films around this time, like Passenger 57, Die Hard, Under Siege, Executive Decision, and Con Air. But it takes that simple premise and makes it work by having clever writing from Joss Whedon, who is an uncredited writer on this film. And the fact that this cast is likable actors like Keanu Reeves, Academy Award winner Sandra Bullock, Jeff Daniels, Alan Ruck even pops in, yep. old Cameron from Ferris Bueller. Mm-hmm. And of course, Dennis Hopper chewing the scenery, chewing the scenery as the main villain, similarly to how Russell Crowe did it in Unhinged. And so, Robert, when was the first time you saw Speed, and how does it compare to how you feel about it now? I saw Speed probably about a year ago, maybe a little bit more. Uh, for the first time, I just wanted to watch a Keanu action movie, and that one did exactly what I wanted it to do. Um, it. Uh, yeah, for some reason, I'm not always into action movies, um, unless they have something beneath the surface, they can just be like noise to me. And I think we talked about this a little bit when I was on here for Terminator. Um, yeah. but this one, it did actually, it does actually have a little bit of, uh, moral discussion below the surface, um, as well as it's just incredibly gripping the entire way through, um, it holds up perfectly for me uh, upon my second viewing for, for this podcast. I still love it. I think I have it in my favorite movies of all time list on Letterboxd. Man, it's just a great ride, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> all the way through, you, you're you just on the edge of your seat. Um, I, I just love the premise of you can't go b below 50 miles an hour. There's just so much great stuff that comes from that. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into all of it. Yeah, it's it's definitely an incredibly entertaining movie. Yeah. Like it's not a thought-provoking action film and, and kind of like you said and we we talked about it I think on the the Terminator 2 podcast where, you know, if it's just action action action, it can just become visual noise if you don't have a lot of character uh work or characters that ground it. Um and if it's not character driven, but no pun intended, but this movie is <clears throat> it's really, really entertaining. You know, the, the first time I saw Speed was actually when I was, I was pretty young one summer and I watched it on VHS that on a VHS that my grandma let me borrow. <laughs> um, firstly, I remember the movie scarring me for life for several years from riding an elevator. More on that later. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But I also remember liking it very much and watching it all summer. I just had lots of fun with its simple premise and being on the edge of my seat with the action and how creative it was when it came to putting our main hero in situations to overcome. I watch it now and I just admire how well they are able to execute such a simple premise and how fast it goes by, no pun intended. Sure, the characters are pretty thin and it relies heavily on witty character banter to get you through the slower parts and it plays a little fast and loose when it comes to some of the logic, but damn, th this movie is just 
a sit back and forget it type of movie. And I mean that in the best way, because once this film, once you pop this film on, you're going to catch yourself watching the whole thing if you aren't careful. So if you're just trying to turn something on to pass or to, to in the background while you're doing work, you're going to end up forgetting to do your work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, um, I, I, I totally agree with all of that. Yeah. It, it's, it's just a fun movie. The Rotten Tomatoes score is a whopping 94%. Now, the consensus is a terrific popcorn thriller. Speed is taut, tense, and energetic with outstanding performances from Keanu Reeves, Dennis Hopper, and Sandra Bullock. Uh, do you think this score holds up? Yeah, I think it does. Um, I think, like we were talking about for action movies, I think even though like you were talking about there's not a ton of character work and not a ton of you know deep stuff underneath the surface you there's still a lot to be said for a movie holding your attention for just under two hours just based off of quips and expertly done action sequences um and i think that's what this one relies on most heavily by far um like I said, I, I want to get into some of my moral things a little bit later. And I think there's a lot of good stuff there. But if you're if you're going to do just a, an action movie um, that isn't as intense, um, it, it's a lot of credit to the filmmaking for this one that it works as well as it does. Uh, like the, the direction and the action, ac- the action directing more than the writing necessarily, because I, I don't know what a screenplay would necessarily look for, look like for this one, other than a few lines of dialogue here and there. And Keanu goes under bus and stuff like that. It's, it's just expertly directed action. Yeah. Like fit probably be, I mean, I would imagine something like this is maybe 30 to 50 pages of dialogue. Yeah. And most of it's Dennis Hopper. There's not right. Right. Yeah. There, there's not a lot of dialogue, but you're right. The The direction of this movie is where it excels because a lot of it is direction. A lot of it is action. And he casts one of the best actors when it comes to acting in action. You know, I've said it before mm-hmm. on this podcast. I don't think Keanu Reeves is a thespian actor. I really don't. But if you give him something that involves a lot of physicality, there's something about him that he pulls it off and makes it work. And also, there's not a whole lot of visual effects in this movie. It all feels very real, practical, grounded. I know they built the set of the elevator. It's like five stories. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, all of it just feels very practical and grounded. And I think that yeah, it, it makes it very tense and it makes it very real because it's not like you you see a lot of visual effects and i'm not one of those people who are like oh visual effects suck no visual effects suck when they're poorly done i i I love visual effects but this is the 1990s and visual effects you know aside from terminator 2 and jurassic park are kind of still in their mundane stage so this was this was really really well done um i i personally think the score might be a tad high when it comes to the, the praise of the, the performances, but I agree that it is a terrific thriller. It's tense, energetic, and it again, it's just incredibly enjoyable. The performance praise might be like 
based on an action movie scale. So whoever is saying outstanding performances isn't expecting Sandra Bullock or Dennis Hopper to be nominated for an Oscar. But if you're performing cheesy lines or just being really silly in an action movie, that also can take away from overall enjoyment and turn it more into B-movie than all-time great action movie. Uh, So I think Keanu's great leading man action performance paired with the other two doing some actual good character stuff um, really helps the movie hold up. Yeah, I I would agree with that. It's again, it's the, 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 the physicality part of of the action, I think is really nice. And the, the quippy being able to carry the quippy banter and make it not feel like a B movie is is something to 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 admire for sure one of my, my one of my favorite lines in this movie is from uh jack or not jack but from uh, uh dennis hopper and he goes interactive tv jack way over the future <laughs> yeah that's a good <laughs> like, one i love that line because i used to see it on the vhs for true lies growing up all the time because this was one of the trailers that would play before. Oh, yeah, true lies, and that was one of like the big lines in the movie, or in the trailer. So it was mm-hmm. pretty cool. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, so let's get into some fun facts here. Sandra Bullock actually learned how to drive a bus for the film, passing her test on the first attempt. That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool because. I drove like a dump truck one time without any practice. I was doing some landscaping for a guy and he just asked me to drive this truck and that's incredibly difficult. And I was scared out of my mind the entire time. So learning how to drive a bus, um, I know it's good dedicated acting, um, and being dedicated to your, to your role, but that's, that's really impressive. Yeah. And especially for not Tom Cruise who flies helicopters and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Tom Cruise is a crazy person who learned yeah. how to drive or fly an F-15 for Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, it, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, this is Scientology powers. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, no, I, that's it's crazy because, you know, learning how to you know, operate that equipment, like heavy equipment like that is not easy. You know, I I learned how to drive a forklift not that long ago and. And it's, it, it was pretty easy once, once I picked it up, but it's, it's difficult getting mm-hmm. used to, to maneuvering it and everything like that. And it's funny because when you see her like driving it in the movie, it looks like she knows how she, she knows what she's doing. And it, I wrote it down on my notes. I was like, did she actually learn how to drive this? And lo and behold, she did. Because I thought it would be like, man, I, I bet you that's something like an actor thing to do. Learn how to drive a bus because you're going to drive a bus in the movie. It just felt pretty fitting. Um, the scene in which Annie, Sandra Bullock, takes the chewing gum out of her mouth and pretends to put it uh, on the seat next to her as an excuse to change seats and move away from the obnoxious uh, Stevens which is Alan Ruck, was improvised by Bullock. That's that pretty, pretty fun. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, she, again, pulls it off and makes it look natural. I, I love Sandra Bullock. Former ECU, I don't think she graduated from ECU, but she did go to East Carolina University, which is pretty cool. Yeah, nice. It's always fun to have little connections like that. 
Yeah, really, really cool. Uh, much like in John Wick, Keanu Reeves did approximately 90% of his own stunts. And I expect nothing less. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was about to say. It's pretty expected of Keanu at this point, because like you were saying, he's known for his physical acting more than his you know dramatic chops. So he goes out there, learns how to shoot guns the right way and do all the stuff he needs to do. So that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, it's he's just a very dedicated actor. I think that's why people like him so much. Is yeah, and he's just a great guy off the screen, too. Yeah, I I sing his praises all the time with that. Like he what was it ninety percent of the money he made off of the Matrix, he gave away to charity. Like that that is a great human being. Yeah, I believe yeah. it. I've heard stories like that. Like him, he doesn't want to get his own fancy cars. He rides pu- public transportation and all that kind of stuff. It's Keanu just seems like the perfect humanitarian that you don't see in Hollywood a lot. No, he he seems like a really down to earth dude and really really nice guy and just seeing him wield the do the the gun range stuff on YouTube is insane. Like, and it really translates to screen in the John Wick films and even mm-hmm. in this one. I mean, I don't, I know, I think him and Jeff Daniels did training, reading up on it, but he just comes across natural in action. It was very yeah. believable. He has his everyman quality to him, but he there's something about him that you gravitate toward. I don't know. He just seems like a very personable guy. Right, and that's what that's what he has to do to be so good and so beloved in movies like this. Yeah. <clears throat> Joss Whedon rewrote the script uncredited. According to Graham Yost, the credited writer, Whedon wrote most of its dialogue. Uh I could tell once I read this fact and then went back and watched the movie. I was like, okay, I, I see it. I see right, that's it. not surprising at all. No, because most of the dialogue is very witty banter. Joss Whedon, he, that's what he does very well is the witty banter it, between characters. And oftentimes that can make a movie that's subpar very good. Um, so yeah, I, I, I could definitely tell that that's pretty crazy, which Joss Whedon has been doing, uh, uncredited script rewrites for quite some time in Hollywood. I think that's where he kind of started out. Yeah. I was about to ask that he, doesn't he have like some uncredited writing, uh, like uncredited credits, um, on a decent amount of movies? He does. He does. I don't, I don't know all of them, but he, Yeah. He, him and is it Stephen S. Tonight? No, it's not Stephen S. Tonight. Who's the guy that did Cabin in the Woods? Oh, um, shoot. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna get me. But Drew Goddard, him and the guy who did Cabin in the Woods, famously wrote the screenplay in what was it like a weekend? Oh, and that's writing a screenplay is hard. Yeah, I I have attempted and I have failed. It is it is not an easy thing to do, and being able to do that in a weekend is crazy. And I think it's Drew Goddard. Yeah, right. Drew Drew Goddard is the guy that directed and wrote 
or wrote parts of uh, Captain Crab in the Woods with Joss Whedon. What I didn't realize is that um, the last time I watched Toy Story, I saw Joss Whedon's name in the opening credits, and I was like, what the heck? I'd never realized this. I've seen this movie a thousand times. It's <laughs> He just shows up in the most random places that you're not expecting. What was he? What did what did he do on uh, Toy Story? I'm assuming writing, but yeah, he wrote the screenplay. He's one of the credited writers. That's wild. (laughs) Yeah, the first one, just the first one, but still. Well, the first one is the one I go back to the most, and we'll be honest. Yeah. So, Rennie Harlan and Quentin Tarantino were offered the chance to direct, but turned it turned it down. Tarantino later named the film one of his 20 favorite films since 1992. That's crazy. Yeah, this came out, what, like a decade and a half before Death Proof? Yeah, so Death Proof came out as a double feature with Planet Terror in the Grindhouse movie um, in 2007. Right, so it's interesting to see. It's similar in a way that's just a constant chase. Um, yeah. or constantly on the road. Um, so I wonder if Tarantino might have had something like that in his back pocket and thought to himself, I'm not writing my own screenplay here, so I'm going to pass this one up. Maybe, maybe. I mean, Quentin Tarantino has been offered a lot of films like this, and I feel like he yeah. would knock them out of the park. But he's very particular about his projects, and he only really directs what he writes. So. Yeah, that's part of what's what I love so much about Tarantino. Yeah, I, you know, Quentin Tarantino doesn't have he definitely has a a a style throughout mm-hmm. throughout all his films. Uh, he he definitely doesn't have. I'm sure he could have a, a a diverse filmography if he wanted it to be, but that's just not him. You know what I mean? And it wouldn't be him. Well, I do think his filmography is fairly diverse, but it's just that the style every time you're watching a Tarantino movie, you know it's him. But he plays in different genres. Yeah. Westerns, gangster films, and samurai films. He really likes to pay homage to that grindhouse era right. of, of, of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And, I mean... That's his strengths, and he plays to it really, really well. I mean, he's one of the best. Uh, I I think one of his sweetest movies, I don't know how you feel about it, but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, <clears throat> excuse me, is one of his sweetest films, I think. It's oh, really I totally a, agree. It's, I, more of a bro, it's a bromance movie. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's maybe my third favorite Tarantino, but I've seen it a lot. That's one that I have on in the background a whole lot for some reason. I just that one is an easy one to just have on in the background. Um, it's not, you know, it doesn't beat you over the head like a lot of his other ones do with action. Um, it's just like you said, it's the sweetness. I like that one a whole lot. Yeah, that's one that if I could redo my top ten list from twenty nineteen, it would be back on there. Because oh, you didn't have it on there. It was in my honorable mentions. Okay. And it pained me to, to, to do that. But I would put it above 1917, I think. And even probably further up. Because much like you, like it's a movie that since it's released and since I, I've owned it, I put it on a lot. And just watch, watch my, catch myself watching different scenes. 
from it and just enjoying it and getting lost in that in that 1960s world that Quentin Tarantino created and the performances from Brad Pitt and uh DiCaprio are just wonderful yeah I think I've seen it about five times now just because I love having it on and I I just checked I had it at number seven for 2019 Uh, I I really loved it it's a great movie Rennie Harlan's also an interesting choice he he directed um, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. He directed Die Hard 2, Cliffhanger, uh, Deep Blue Sea, which is a, a freaking awesome movie. <laughs> I've actually never seen any Rennie Harlan movies, so I'll have to take your word for it on these. Well, so Nightmare on Elm Street 4, it's okay. It's okay. It doesn't live up to the third one, but it's good. Die Hard 2 is probably the second weakest diehard film for me um i I just don't appreciate it as much cliffhanger is very good and i also really enjoy deep blue sea um he famously directed cutthroat island though which is the movie that kind of ended the reign of not that there really was a reign but kind of ended studios from wanting to do uh pirate movies for a while oh and then of course, Pirates of the Caribbean brought it back. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, yeah, so before we we uh, get to our award section, we're going to take a quick break to let you hear an ad from our sponsor. And we are back. Thank you so much to our sponsor over here at Ben Davis Movie Podcast. But we are going to move on to the award section, and we're going to start off with Favorite Scenes and Moments. Uh, we'll start off with the opening title card for me. Uh, I'm a fan of a good title card. You know, oftentimes the title card ends up being one of my favorite things in in the movies that I've talked about on here so far. Uh, and this one's no different. It's very simple, but there's just something about the the scaling of the the elevator and of course the score, the dun 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 dun. I, mm-hmm. I just I I really dig it. I really really dig it. What do you think about the opening title card? So I might be weird in my opinions on opening title sequences, but I actually have that in worst scenes. Really? Um, yeah. Um, I don't hate it, but maybe we can save it till that um, and I can explain why. Yeah, no, man. All right. So the next thing I have listed here is the elevator sequence. So fun fact about me. I used to fear for years, had an irrational fear of elevators because of this movie. Um, In fact, like, I think it was like two years or so after watching this movie, I got stuck in an elevator. Oh, no. For about 10 minutes. Oh, no. It was awful. It was awful. (laughs) It was the worst. Um, But in general, I, I really love this scene. The... Everything leading up to it, from the the shot of the car flying into frame, ridiculously high, always makes me chuckle. <laughs> yep. You know, Jack uh, voluntary volunteering him and Jeff Daniels, um, who plays Harry. Who, by the way, fun fact: Jeff Daniels plays two characters named Harry in the year nineteen ninety four, in oh, really? Speed and in Dumb and Dumber. Oh, of course, Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> um. 
I just, I love how gripping this scene is. And it's very creative. It's the first half of the movie, really. It's like the first 20 to, what, 25 minutes of the movie? Yeah, probably 25 minutes or so. Yeah, it's just, it's really, really good, you know. And it also illustrates that Harry is clearly the brains and Jack is kind of the brawn who flies by his gut. And I think one of your... I don't know if it's one of your your deeper messages of, of the film, but I think that's kind of the one of the main things of the film is learning to control that impulse, um, and, and not always being the flying by your gut kind of guy. Um, of course, there's also the they usually fall now line, which is really really funny. It's definitely mm-hmm. a Whedon line. Um, I, I just I really really dig this entire sequence yeah i totally agree it's also the first one on my best scenes and moments list um i think you said a lot of what i really love about it um i i will add the little sequence in there when they're getting the people off the elevator when just that whole uh little sequence there is really tense and i think that's the whole you know it sets you up for the intensity of the rest of the movie because that's really the, the movie's great calling card is it's just super tense and it does a great job of keeping you on the edge of your seat the entire time uh, i love just the woman who is scared to move in the elevator she pins herself against the back of the wall um but you know keanu needs to tell her it's okay we're gonna save you that whole scene and then the elevator just barely misses her leg um yeah just everything that you said about it and i also love the when the car comes flying in at the beginning Um, it's just ridiculous but it's also it fits perfectly for the type of movie that this is um but yeah i and i also agree for the uh the themes because he talks about shooting the hostage but he doesn't kill the hostage he shoots him in the leg um he does let dennis hopper get away but he doesn't compromise, you know, his morality or or his his person by killing a person. He he puts the life of his partner ahead of, you know, killing some just killing someone, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I really also I appreciate the shot after he lets uh lets Dennis Hopper's character go, Howard. And he flies back with a bomb goes off and he just flies backward and he's mm-hmm. still like holding the gun in, in yeah. position. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's yeah. I, I really dig that sequence. I, I kind of echoing you a little bit when he pulls uh, the character out of the, uh, the elevator, when she pins herself up against the corner, that's very real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like wanting to feel safe like you're not falling you're safe in the corner and when she gets pulled out that shoe every time when when the shoe gets caught it's the shoe that gets cut like he barely like barely misses her foot the elevator and it catches the shoe it's it's awesome yep next moment i have here is the moment with annie and stevens on the bus we kind of talked about a little bit earlier but the completely improvised scene i just thought it was really funny and totally relatable too because <laughs> yeah. we've all been there and whether it's at the gym or on public transportation 
at a restaurant or at like a concert or whatever, where someone just strikes up a conversation with you and they can't take the hint and you want to be nice and, and talk back with them and everything like that. But sometimes it just comes a moment where you just have to read the room. Yep. (laughs) And I just found it relatable. (laughs) Yeah. I I love that scene too. Um, It's really, yeah. Like you said, it's really hilarious. Yeah. Um, the the next scene I have listed here is chasing the bus. Um, I don't know if you have this scene listed, but it's the scene where he apprehends the uh, when when he apprehends the the car the vehicle from the guy, and there's just some really crazy driving stunts and thrills in this sequence. And some pretty good gags, too. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's got some pretty funny moments in it. It has a lot of fun. Yeah, that's that's my second one uh, as well. It's I really love that one because I was watching this with my wife. And when he first goes up to a black man in the car and says, police, get get out of your car. He's like, no, I, I bought this car. It's legally mine. And it, it, it kind of brings up a lot of stuff that's going on in the world right now. And we kind of looked at each other. But then it kind of plays off, plays it off as just a comedic thing. It's like, I need your car. And he just moves over and gets in the passenger seat. And then <laughs> yeah. you're right. All the the gags that um, as they're chasing down the bus, he has to write on a piece of paper. And then the paper flies and gets pinned against the, the window saying uh, bomb on the bus and how make sure they're going 50. And that just really sets up the whole premise of the rest of the the rest of the movie. And yeah, I just love that whole sequence leading to what you know what the next 45 or 50 minutes of the movie is um it yeah it's, yeah, it's just a whole a whole bunch of funny silly but also serious fun yeah it blends it very well together my favorite line from that scene though are you insured <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <that> part. <laughs> takes the door off that guy is like really upset, but I'd be pissed. <laughs> yeah. He, he doesn't come across as pissed. It's just kind of like a, oh man, <laughs> he takes it well. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I think at that point he's like, I already got my car stolen. We're in this high speed chase down the freeway in Los Angeles. He said, I guess what, what else was I expecting, but to lose the, the yeah. car door. This might as well happen. Kind yeah, of exactly. <laughs> So my next thing is a bit of a cheat, but it just blends so well because it's pretty much the whole second act of the movie. Mm-hmm. And that is everything on the bus. Everything on the bus is just so awesome. Thrilling, engaging, funny. It's entertaining. Again, it's the reason you watch the movie is, you know, this was the bus movie. It's very, very entertaining and engaging. And it is a bit of a cheat. But it to me, it just blends so well that it's hard to separate as one scene. So I'll have this on the list, but I'll say my my favorite part of this whole second act is when he's below the bus mm-hmm. yep. and he's on that like cart trying to figure out how to take take out the bomb. The string gets pulled and gets loose he has to catch himself before he gets you know under the wheel that thing goes you know catches loot the the wire breaks 
And he has to hold himself under the bus, stabs the gas tank, just making another problem for him to overcome. It's that that scene is just that part of the the scene is just so so well done. Yeah, I have the whole bus, the whole long bus sequence as one uh, moment also. But I think you can break it down just a little bit, like you were saying, like when he's under the when he's under the bus is one. And then I have also when he's getting the people off the bus, that's another little um, problem that he has to overcome as well as like the bus driver getting shot. There's there's little moments within there that kind of break it up, but you're right. It is like this 45 minute sequence where the bus just doesn't stop going and you don't know where to break it up because it's not like it's cutting away for long periods of time. Like it's cutting to, Jeff Daniels trying to figure out who Dennis Hopper is. And it cuts to Dennis Hopper watching them. But like we said, Dennis Hopper's watching them and Jeff Daniels is on the phone with Keanu. Um, It's just this whole long sequence that it's tough to break up, but I agree with your cheat. It's just so much fun. And that's, that's the reason I love the movie so much because that huge long sequence is done so well. Yeah. It just grabs you and, doesn't let go it literally the, the speeds up like the movie is mm-hmm. two hours almost two hours long what is it like an hour and like 58 59 yeah it's just under two. two yeah just under two the movie feels like it's an hour and a half like it just hour and a half to an hour like it just it speeds up and a lot of it again is because of how well the middle part of this movie acts it's just so well done um, it's really the, if I, if this is like a hamburger, it's really the perfect <laughs> burger to the sandwich itself. It's yeah. That's a good way to very, put it. Very, very good. Um, is there a particular part in the, everything on the bus that stands out to you or is it similar to mine or? Yeah. It's like, it's like we mentioned. Um, I love, I wrote down Jack going under the bus, um, as well as getting people off the bus. <clears throat> I love Sorry. Um, I love seeing them uh, when they um, when they modified the the video that Dennis Hopper is watching and it makes it look like they're all just standing there not moving. um, And then that's how they're able to get everyone off. I love that. I thought that's super genius. Um, And then I think this is where the themes that I like come in, because you kind of get to see people's true selves when they're in a dire situation. Um, they're, they're seeing themselves in a life or death situation pretty much. Uh, and you see the one guy go up and attack Keanu. He, uh, the one guy who has done some, some sort of crime and Keanu says, I don't care what you did. We need to all be in this together. Um, it's, it just kind of reveals the nature of humanity and it shows the power of, of coming together because you see all these people, again, in a dire situation. And if everyone had decided to do every man for themselves, then they would have been in, you know, they would have been in huge trouble. But instead, you have Alan Ruck telling, telling him uh, he's holding the phone and talking to Jeff Daniels. He's helping out. There's the other guy helping people getting off the bus, obviously, and he, Annie is uh, driving the bus. Everyone just kind of comes together and doesn't think of anyone other than 
other than themselves. And you see what happens um, when you are thinking of yourself with the one guy who gets cuffed to the chair, but then eventually he becomes part of the, the big unit. Yeah. Or the, the woman who tries to step off. Yeah. Her too. Yeah. And she gets exploded, which is, incredibly sad i think that act same actress might be in the movie twister as well which is a, a good 19 what that movie came out in the, it came out in like either 95 96 97 somewhere in there but uh one of my favorite exchanges on the bus is when keanu reeves jack finds the, the bomb and he just goes fuck me and then alan Ruck goes oh darn, oh, darn. <laughs> back to back to harry i just i really like that it's very very like innocent like he doesn't want to swear right yeah that i did have that as one of my other best moments because um out of all the moments in the movie that one just both times i've seen the movie it was unexpected for me and i laughed out loud uh i i just love the delivery from alan ruck um have you seen alan ruck in a lot of stuff because i've only seen him in Ferris Bueller, Speed, and Succession. And he plays a similar guy in all three. And I kind of really love him for for that. He plays this kind of dorky weirdo who is kind of the black sheep, odd man out, but he's still there. Uh, He's still a lovable kind of character. And I really appreciate Alan Ruck for, for those different roles. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him in... I've seen him, obviously, in Ferris Bueller. I've seen him in... Uh, speed he was in twister i've seen seen him in twister cheaper by the dozen the steve martin version oh i didn't even know he's in that ghost town which is i think that that's like a uh ricky gervais the original guy who did the office Uh it's it's a movie with him but i haven't seen him in a whole heck of a lot in my head i like to pretend that he's still Cameron in this yep. movie. He's just changed his name and he has a different outlook on life. <laughs> yeah, that's the- that's exactly what he seems like to me. <laughs> in Ferris Bueller, like he's Cameron and then he grows up and is speed. And then I don't know if you've seen Succession, but it's still that same kind of person. That's a that's a fun little headcanon now. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to think that he, he's no longer an angsty teen and He's gotten away from that. And he wants to go out to Hollywood and explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fun. Um, so the last sequence I have on here is the train sequence. Uh, this is toward the end. It's just, it's pretty intense. Jack getting on the train in the nick of time is, the editing is really well done on that sequence. Uh, the money not being in the bag is a nice twist. But my only gripe is maybe you would have thought Howard would have would have checked that. But then again, at the same time, he's probably very eager because he's very close to getting caught. So he's not thinking as clearly. So it makes sense. Um, I love when they fight on top of the train, which I don't understand how they end up on top of the train. But I love how they end up fighting on top of there. And the line of I'm always smarter than you, Jack. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm taller after he takes <laughs> after he knocks Watson's face, uh, Howard's head off. It's it's pretty well done. I in particularly 
in particular love the fact that Sandra Bullock is cuffed to the the pole and the almost panic response that they both have when he's like I don't have the key yeah. and he's like kicking the pole doing everything they can to get it off and like she's kind of like shaking her hands doesn't know what to do like I panicked a little watching her do that and that also like, reminds me of Titanic with a character named Jack in the scene with someone <laughs> yeah. uh, handcuffed to a pole <laughs> except you know they don't have an axe right <laughs> to help get them, get them off and Kate oh, okay. expert in axe swinging <laughs> after what is it a couple practice swings that are completely off the mark from each other very off the mark very off the mark um but yeah those are all the sequences i have do you have any more you'd like to add i just have one more line i wanted to highlight that i really love and that's when um annie tells jack that she has her her driver's license suspended right now and he goes oh for what and she goes for speeding and he just kind of gives her a look and i I love that moment there yeah it's the the smirk yep all right so i think we're gonna probably have to probably agree maybe i'm gonna i'm gonna make a uh prediction my favorite scene is gonna be the, the the everything on the bus is is that also yours yeah we'll go with that that cheat the everything on the bus because Perfect. Um, maybe we could even go with Jack going under the bus because that's my favorite part of the sequence, and it sounds like it was yours too. But yeah, sure. Yeah. So yeah, let's let's go with that then. Instead of cheating and saying everything on the bus, let's go with Jack goes under the bus as our favorite moment in scene. Awesome. Nice. All right. So moving on to a less popular category: worst scenes and moments. I really only have two. One of them is a nitpick one of them is kind of a complaint but the 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 one i have is the random girl and guy dancing in the bar after the metal ceremony i i don't know why the camera just decides to to pan on them again this is a nitpick but it always trips me out because the dance moves are just they're very silly and it makes me laugh so maybe it's not bad but it just i'm like i don't know it's a nitpick See, it's, it's interesting you say that because I don't even know what part you're talking about with um, just a so couple of random people. It's it's so it's very so it's after the medal ceremony, mm-hmm. after the captain does the toast to them and they're all drunk at the bar. Right. And it's before the camera shows uh, Keanu Reeves, Jeff Daniels and uh, uh, Joe Morton talking. Um, and it's, again, it's very, very small. You probably wouldn't notice it, but to me, it just always trips me out seeing the, like, reason. what dance move was that girl doing? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but the next scene I have is actually more of a, a legit complaint and that is the kiss between Jack and Annie. I, I feel like it might be a little tacked on, um, I, I feel like the movie could have done without it. I, I don't feel... I feel like they... Obviously, it's Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. They have uh, chemistry together. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't... I did never thought that it was romantic chemistry. Um. Yeah, I kind of have... 
I agree with you. There's not really too much that's the worst in this movie. Uh, I have for the worst scene, um, just the train sequence at the end, but not that it's bad, just that I feel like it's a little bit extra, like too much at the end. Um, I think they're trying to recapture the stuff from the bus. But I think that kind of follows with that kiss sequence because I feel like if it almost mirrors the same scene once they got off the bus and they're laying there and she says something about relationships starting under pressure or under intense circumstances or whatever. And then it does a similar, they mirror that line at the end. I almost wish it had ended or only had a little bit extra after the bus scene end, uh, ended because I agree with you with the, the kiss. Um, it seems a little bit tacked on, but so does the train sequence to me. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. A lot. That's a, that is a common complaint with the movie is that the, the train sequence feels tacked on. I like it, but you know, you're not alone. There are a lot of people who, a lot of people who think that, and maybe it would have made a, uh, a more, you know, even movie if they had ended it after the the train because it does mirror a lot of the ending at, in the bus sequence with the train sequence and it yeah, would have been like an hour and a half it would have shaved the movie right. down almost a half an hour yeah i don't think it's poorly done because and it's also kind of needed for the story i understand all that because that's how they ultimately catch uh the villain but for some reason it just seems like oh we're doing more action um but again, I don't want to make it seem like I hate that part or anything because yeah. since it's there, I love the way that it's done, and I re- I really do love the I'm I'm taller than you part. Um, <laughs> but my, yeah, I just do think it's a little extra sequence at the end. My father-in-law and I were were watching that, and we were both going back and forth with like, "Oh man, I bet he has a headache." <laughs> <laughs> yep. Or or so what was I? I was like. Yeah, he's got a good head on his shoulders, but you know, <laughs> hopefully he can he can get his head back on his shoulders. <laughs> I can't remember what they were, but they were they were pretty funny back and forth. That's nice. Um, but what are you gonna go with for your your least favorite moment in scene? If if you don't have any more to add, I'll add just a couple more small things, um, and I'll I'll explain myself with the opening credits here. Um, for some reason, I think this is just a personal thing. Um, I just get bored during opening credits if there's not a lot of stuff going on sometimes you'll see like a movie that takes place in a small town and it'll be showing shots all over a small town and get get a sense of like the feel of the area and all that and i think that works when you have opening credits that doesn't really do much for the story but for this one man it's just going down the elevator shaft and i was honestly on my phone waiting for the actual action and story to start um i do love the the music um that's one that's one thing i didn't mention yet i think the music in this movie is great i love that that action score so good but but i think we get enough of it during the actual action scenes that we don't necessarily need to hear it while we see everybody who worked on the movie um for some reason that just kind of bores me at the beginning again i i really love the movie so i don't think it's bad or i don't i don't hate it at all but the opening credits just kind of seem a little bit dull to me um and the other worst moment would be 
after Keanu finds out that Jeff Daniels died, I think he just overacts a little bit. He doesn't overreact. He overacts like the actor um, where he's like smashes up the bus for a second. And he's all mad. And that's where I think the Keanu is not a great actor, but Keanu's a great action star kind of shows through. Um, that just seemed cheesy among a movie that seemed pretty well done other than that one cheesy overacting scene. Yeah. Well, he had to get in that tricep shot, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He spent months in the gym. He's got to get in that tricep shot. (laughs) How else is he going to do it? (laughs) How else was he going to do it? He's got to, he's got to flex it somehow. (laughs) Yep. Uh, uh, all right, so what are you going to go with for your least favorite scene or moment? Yeah, for overall, I, I did just wanted to mention the the opening credits and that overacting, but I would agree with uh, Jack and Annie at the end. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in total agreement there. It's the, the kiss at the end is it's very tacked on. I didn't feel like the chemistry that I felt like as characters, eventually they could get to that point where if their relationship carried on, yeah they probably would have, you know, a romantic relationship, but I didn't get a hint of romanticism between them during that time that they were together. I I think it suffers from that whole hero's got to get the girl at the end syndrome that happens in a lot of the, the action movies around this time. Right. To play devil's advocate, Keanu pun intended. um, (laughs) I, I think that's kind of where it came from is that, oh, we need to have it end on a super happy note on a character moment. Um, if it was just, we saved everybody. Um, and, you know, if, if that was just the ending, then it might've rang a little bit hollow, but instead it was a character thing with your two main characters, just, you know, they're in love now, I guess. It's a very movie moment. And I, I think it works well enough, but similar to his overacting, it's, you know, kind of tacked on, like you said. Yeah. All right. Moving on to best performances. Um, I'm going to go with Sandra Bullock. Uh, I think this was her big breakout role Mm -hmm. and she's incredibly charming in this movie. She pulls off this witty dialogue flawlessly. And of course this kind of launched her career. I mean, before this, of course she had the militia man, which was a film at the time that was viewed as a comeback for Sylvester Stallone, who had just done, I think it was like Rocky five and no one likes that, <laughs> but <clears throat> her, her filmography after this, it really takes off. You know, she does uh, while you were sleeping, the net, a time to kill. Of course, let's forget speed Two exists. Um, Prince of Egypt, you know, forces of nature, which, you know, a lot of people hate, uh, but I kind of like it as a guilty pleasure. 28 Days, and of course, Miss Cogeniality. And then, if, you know, eventually she it does, what is it? The Blind Side wins an yeah. Oscar in 2009 or for the year 2009. That's a and, bad movie, but a good performance. Yeah. Um, and Gravity, uh, which is where, you know, I think her performance in Gravity is actually better than the one in The Blind Side um she carries that entire movie but yeah she has had a wonderful career and i think speed is what kickstarted and for good reason she's really really good in it very charismatic 
and I'm a little biased because she did go to East Carolina University, which is where my wife got her PhD. So a little biased. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you for best performance. Um, I think Keanu is a good runner up because like we've talked about a bunch, he's a great action star. Um, But if we're going best performance, best acting performance, it's Sandra Bullock. Um, because like we've said, she has a little bit more characterization than just I'm the action star. And I'm not discounting Keanu's ability to be a great action star because we all know that he is. Um, but just if we wanted to go a little bit more character based, we would go Sandra Bullock. And if we wanted to go action based because it's an action movie, we could go Keanu. Um, I don't think there's really a wrong answer between those two. No, no, not at all. Um so you're in agreement on Sandra Bullock? Yeah, I'm fine with Sandra Bullock. Yeah, she's wonderful, wonderful. All right, so moving on to the Does This Make Sense Award. Um, I got like six things listed here. And feel free to add any that don't make any. Does this make sense to you? If you think it fits the category. Um, why are the cops standing so close to the crash zone when they know the elevator may crash at any time? On the bottom floor or when they're saving the people? On the bottom floor. I don't know. I didn't think of that. Yeah, Would the elevator like cold. explode if it hits the ground? Yeah, and it does. Like right. they hear the smash and you see a little bit of smoke come up and they like all jump back. And it's like, I feel like I feel like you would have that area probably closed off. Um, probably no one around it. It just d- doesn't make sense that they would be there. <clears throat> Again, it's a little gripe, but yeah, I guess since they are there and they don't blow up when the elevator crashes, I guess it isn't that big of a deal. Um, if they were maybe, you know, in the elevator shaft, that would be a big problem. But I guess where they're standing <laughs> yeah, wasn't be, too bad. That would be a huge problem. <laughs> yes. Um, how exactly did Howard know how to plan where the bu- first bus would explode so Jack could uh, could see it? And why did Jack answer the random pay phone ringing? See, I was wondering something similar. It's kind of like the Joker in the Dark Knight. Um, how is he able to rig all these explosives on the ferries and all that? Um, how is um, Howard able to put the bomb on the first bus as well as the second one um, without, without anyone seeing him? And then also where it was going to explode. As for the payphone, I think Keanu knows this is a... This is a measured attack. Once there's a random payphone ringing right after the explosion happens, he, he knows something's going on and he needs to answer that. So I, I agree with the, the planning part, but the answering the payphone is a very action movie, Mission Impossible kind of thing. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's like the movie, uh, what is it? Phone Booth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely buy your explanation of that. It makes me buy the... Uh, Jack answering the phone, but the the way that he was able to to come up with that plan on what felt like such a short time, yeah, it it it, it seemed very uh, thrown together, especially with the putting the camera on the bu- on the other bus and being able to rig it the way that he was. It's just I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how. I guess if it doesn't bring a lot of attention to it, it's 
the movie's not really concerned with it and no it it doesn't make a huge difference you know it it doesn't like the logic doesn't make a ton of sense there but it doesn't bother me too much yeah would the physics work of everyone going over to one side of the bus to make it not tip over in that scene where they have to make that sharp right turn. So I don't know if the physics would work in real life, but uh, I think that's a very, again, it's a very action movie thing to do. Um, I never even took physics, so I can't even answer something like that. (laughs) I can't answer it either. I just, I just, I don't know if it would work. The logic of it of like, Oh, we all got to get to one side to make sure it doesn't tip over. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like kind of leaning to one side to make sure the jet ski doesn't tip over when you're on a jet ski. Right. I get it. Um, <clears throat> but I don't, I don't know if it would work, but I buy it. It's a very action movie kind of thing. Yeah. How many people are on the bus? Like 15, 20 people. Um, just think having that really... extra weight on that side, just in that one situation where they need that, you know, minimal amount of weight. Uh, compared to the weight of the actual bus, it I think there's a chance. Yeah. Would the bus make the 50 foot jump? Now I kind of have the answer for this a little bit, but I, I want I want to gauge your your opinion on it. Do um, you think that the bus would make it? I would. I would think my first reaction would be absolutely not, <laughs> because it's not that big of an incline where it takes off. And the way the camera shows it, the bus almost jumps like a human. Um, <laughs> it kind of like it. It goes like it's going off an incline, but the the road itself is pretty level. Um, I think it would have just gone straight down nose first. But just just like everything in this movie, I don't really care because it's so fun as an action movie. Yeah, it's. <laughs> you bring up a good point about the the camera shot. Like it just, it does seem like the the bus is a character itself and jumps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I do have the fact here. It's for the bus jump sequence. A ramp was built, so that's why it kind of looks like it jumps. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. The, the bus was started from about one mile back and uh, accelerated towards the ramp. By the time it hit the ramp, it reached the speed of like 61 miles per hour, so it didn't fall behind the 50. Um, It traveled 109 feet, and its front wheels reached an altitude of 20 feet off the ground, which was higher than anyone had anticipated. Um, Because of this, the cameras were not placed correctly, and the top front part of the bus goes out of the frame when the bus reaches the maximum point of the jump. Interesting. So it wouldn't probably make the jump that it did in the movie, but practically they did do the jump. So yeah, that's interesting. They they had the ramp. So if you had a ramp, you could make it. Which they didn't in the world of the movie, but oh, well for me again, when for me, when it's just like this works in a movie sense, then I don't really uh, worry about the, real world logic too much yeah especially in a movie like this you, you kind of have to to shut that off a little bit <laughs> suspend the disbelief a little bit more exactly like i love fast five and i don't really care that there's a huge uh safe that they're dragging all over the city um oh, God. it makes just for a fun movie in my opinion 
Oh, dude, look, listen. I love the Fast and Furious movies. They are right. utter yeah. nonsense. Exactly. But they're the best utter nonsense. They, they are. They are just super entertaining, pedal to the metal, no pun intended, kind of movies. And part of that is because they do illogical stuff like that that you would never see on a day to day basis, and they do it in such a creative way that it makes it so entertaining. And yeah, it's exactly why those movies work so well, and why this movie works so well. Um, yeah, yeah, Fast Five is the, uh, I think the the gold standard of the Fast and Furious movies. Although I do really love Furious Seven. See, those are my my two favorites, also. And not to get too off track, uh, but I saw a meme the other day that something along the lines of Marvel versus DC fans are saying. Your movie's stupid. No, your movie's stupid. And then someone says to Fast and Furious fans, your movie's stupid. And it's like, yeah, we know, but that's why we love it. <laughs> Accurate meme. <laughs> yep. Accurate meme. Um, how does Harry go on a mission when just one day ago he was walking with a limp and a cane? Uh, see, that's a really good question. And I'm going to chalk it up to extreme adrenaline. <laughs> I buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I buy it. Um, was would speeding up a train, run it off the rails, really work? And would Jack and Annie survive it? Um, the surviving it thing, I'll say it again, is just movie, whatever. They're the main characters. They need to survive. Um, but I did think as I was watching the train, it's like, man, this thing is just going, going, going real far after it gets off the tracks. I didn't realize it had that much momentum. It was just going through so much stuff and didn't seem like it was going to slow down until it got, you know, all the way to New York. Yeah. There's no slowing down. (laughs) Yeah. So out of all these scenes, which one is the most egregious to you? Can I just add one more actually? Absolutely. This is kind of just a general thing. Um, And this is more for when they're first on the freeway, when they first, when uh, they first get over, 50 miles an hour. Um, how, how many extra injuries and property damage are they causing by not having the bus blowing up? Because they're oh. hitting other cars. They're uh, making other cars swerve and hit things and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm 100% not saying just let the bus blow up. But <laughs> it's also they're causing that many more injuries and maybe a couple deaths just by driving that bus so fast through a well-populated area. And that's why it's a good thing. They're able to um, get to the airport eventually. I was thinking that exact same thing when I was watching it and I had forgotten about it, but you bringing it up makes me think about it again. That scene in particular where she has to veer off and she just keeps hitting stuff like cars almost hitting pedestrians all that stuff i just she kept thinking to my head almost killed like, a baby yeah, almost yeah but it was cans yeah <laughs> <laughs> like that i just couldn't help but think i don't know if it's because you know i i'm legally an adult now but like i just kept thinking man how much money is this gonna cost <laughs> like so much property right. damage and it also brings up another thing too i was thinking about at the mm-hmm. end 
when the the bus crashes and it crashes into an airplane. Are there right. people? Were there in people that? on that plane? Yeah. I think you're yep. supposed to assume that it's empty. I really hope so. I, <laughs> I really, really I feel like they would have so. said something if there were passengers on there. That's what I want. That's again what I want to believe that they would have said something. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna go with you on that. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna believe that there was no one on that plane. For for yeah. for for the sake of enjoying the movie. Um, Maybe they're all just waiting to get their luggage. I think. I think that's what was happening. They were emptying the luggage off the plane. All the people are uh, in the luggage pickup area. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully so. Yeah. Um, all right. Do you have any more to add? Uh, no, that's all I've got, other than everything that you said. All right. So, which one is the most egregious to you? To me, it would either be the one that I brought up, but um, in making it the most egregious, I would say that it the movie again doesn't draw a lot of attention to it, so it's not too big of a deal because they do eventually get to the the airport. So, I would go with. Um, Howard's plan for the most egregious. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to agree with you on that. It is seems very uh, convenient. A lot of yeah. a lot of conveniences that uh, allow him to to have his plan go off, especially when he says that it took him what two years to plan years. The, to plan the the elevator sequence, and then he later calls it his life's work, <laughs> which. <laughs> He looks a little bit older than two years old. Yeah, it's an old baby. <laughs> Maybe it's Benjamin Button. <laughs> he, he's two, but he looks a lot older. <laughs> yeah. All right. So moving on to the MVP of the movie. Who are you going to go with, man? I'm going to go with Keanu. Um, because while we said Sandra Bullock gives the best performance, I don't think... Um, the movie is as endearing as it is without Keanu. Put in whatever action star um, of the of the '90s, and I I just think it would be different. I think Keanu brings his yeah his that sort of persona. Um, I just love that era Keanu and Keanu in general, but um, I don't think it works nearly as well as it does without him being him. Yeah, man, he is again, if not one of if not the best action star, he's one of my favorites. I mean, my personal favorite action star of all time is Arnold Schwarzenegger. <clears throat> but Keanu Reeves is really, really good. And yep. his longevity is just insane. I, I bring it up almost every week, but he started out in the 80s doing Bill and Ted. And then Point Break, of course, which is a, a movie that I love. And speed the matrix you know all does that all in the 90s and then in the 2000s he has movies like constantine a movie that we're going to talk about next week with the replacements uh he does one of my favorite uh romantic kind of hallmark movies in sweet november like and then of course he kind of has a resurgence with john wick he's just he has such longevity in his career and i think it's because he people just really gravitate to him because of the things we've said he's just a very likable guy yeah i i love the kiana sans recently um 
with John Wick. And then last year, he just had the huge year with Toy Story and Always Be My Maybe and, and John Wick 3. Um, yeah, I agree. Keanu is just always so great. My favorite part about his cameo and Always Be My Maybe is the fact that he listens to grunge music, which is... <laughs> Which is my favorite because I just when I when I picture Keanu Reeves, I just picture him listening to grunge music. Yeah. I think it's because of the nineties. <laughs> I just watched, um, or my wife and I had watched Always Be My Maybe when it first came out, and she didn't really know who Keanu was. And then we just watched Speed together for this um, because I knew she was going to love it. And then she was like, "Oh wait, the lyric in that song, Keanu Reeves better than anything you can see in Speed." It was talking about this movie. It was super fun that she like finally got that joke and where it came from. That's awesome. When you don't yeah. like understand the context of a joke and then all of a sudden you remember and you're like, Oh yeah, I get it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, for me, the MVP, I'm going to give it to the score. I love the score in this movie. It's just so yeah. simple, but it works. It's that dun, 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 dun. It's, it's really good. And it's by the, the score is by, uh uh mark uh manicia mancia i think that's how you pronounce it uh his other credits includes uh true romance which he worked on uh the lion king which he worked on i think both of which he worked with han zimmer on both of those mm-hmm. he did bad boys he did con air he did tarzan training day brother bear shooter and moana which is weird. What a career. <laughs> yeah. Very zigzagging all over the place. Yeah. He's working in Quentin Tarantino written script movies like True Romance, The Lion King, uh, Bad Boy. Like he's playing in a lot of an- either animated or like cop right. action. Like movies. the 90s action type. Yeah. It's very, very interesting. But. I, I just I really really love the score. It's and it stayed with me since I I first saw it. I often hum it to myself. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm like late for something and I'm I'm having to like speed, <laughs> no pun intended. I'll just start humming this song in my head. <laughs> Again, nice. it gets me where I need to be. <laughs> nice, puts you in the right headspace. Exactly. So, Robert, at the end of the day, why would you recommend this movie um, if someone were to ask you why they should watch it? Why, why would you tell them to watch it? I think if you like action movies, um, this is going to be perfect for you. Uh, it doesn't make you think too much, but it also has stuff to think about. It has entertaining and gripping action, uh, and it has great charismatic characters that are also funny and will will uh, get you quoting lines and humming along to the score. I think just everything about this movie is makes it the perfectly watchable movie. Um, and watchability is, is a spectrum to me. And I think this is at like the highest end of that spectrum where it's watchable for all of the best reasons. Um, I think if you, if you like action and fun action in particular, you're not going to go wrong with this one. Yeah, man, I'm going to kind of echo all the things you said. It's just, it's such a fun action movie. If you love action movies that aren't 
like a thinking man's action movie, um, this is it. This is such an engaging and entertaining movie. Like I said, do not put this movie on if you're doing work or if you're about to, to go out or something like that because you will end up sitting down and watching the entire thing because it just it flies by. It's so entertaining, engaging, thrilling, and has some of the most memorable action sequences I can think of. I mean, the, the elevator sequence is great. The everything on the bus is phenomenal. And I, I just, I really, really, really dig this movie. Good yeah. movie. Really, yeah. really good movie. Totally agree. Well, guys, that is it for this week's show. Robert, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I believe you'll be on again next month for about time, right? Yeah, I can't wait for that one. Yeah, that's like... One of my favorite movies ever. Yeah, one of your favorite movies ever. It is one of the biggest tear-jerking movies for me. I love that movie. Um, can't wait to talk Until then, where can people find you, man? Um, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Rob's Thoughts, though right now I'm avoiding tenant spoilers, so you won't see mu- much action from me there. Um, but you can also find me on Instagram at Robert's Thoughts. Uh, find the Robert's Thoughts MovieCast podcast and the roberts-thoughts.com blog where I write uh, in-depth thinking articles. Nice, nice. Um, I'll be back next week for our last movie this month of Keanu Reeves movies with The Replacements. Until then, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you can stay up to date with all the latest content. And while you're at it, go ahead and leave us a comment and rate us. It helps us out a great deal. You can also follow me over at Instagram at Ben Davis Movie Podcast, where I post reviews of movies from time to time. Anyway, guys, till next time, stay classy.